being positive and and, and help me along the way. So um, for me, it's all it's it's always me. I don't have anybody representing me. Um, I understand. I'm also not. Uh, you know, I don't have two million followers either. So um, you know, there's, there's obviously a difference there. But uh, you know, genuinely, anything that I post and I stand for. I can fully back up by my own you know, personal experience with that product or, or person or experience, and uh, it's genuinely 100% me. Hey, Jeff. I also post myself, post for myself. I don't have uh, anyone else doing that. Um, you know, I think that this is a really interesting topic, especially for the cannabis industry because of restrictions with advertising and you know how are companies you know figuring out how to market their products cannabis really the stories are what sell it you know and athletes you know being people who are very active usually who live these very you know healthy mindful lifestyles you know with good nutrition and exercise you know People like Riley, like myself, who are guys who are uh, willing to be open about their cannabis use and be willing to, um, you know, go into these areas of new conversation and new discussion, opening up kind of a really new, um, you know, part of our culture uh, with how we look at this stuff. Um, I think that there's a huge opportunity for athletes in the cannabis industry as influencers. I myself, I, I co-founded a CBD company called Be True Organics. We do hemp-derived CBD products. Uh, from a, we have a topical and oral spray in a gummy. Um, you know, part of my mission with creating that and why I wanted to go that route was really about you know the reach of the messaging and being able to offer a product that people can order online and have distributed to them. You know, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, really. Um, you know, for me, it's about opening up that door in CBD, you know, especially in isolate, a hemp-derived version, which is really legal. I mean, FDA um, legislation federally, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. It's, it's an incredibly you know, confusing topic, as you guys know, with uh, the legal situation of it. But um, I think that influencers and athletes in general you know, there's a real opportunity or at least a, a window that really makes sense in the cannabis world because of the restrictions with advertising and, and all that stuff. And so let's let's drill down in on that a little bit and, and you know, kind of talk about the companies that either you guys do represent um, or, or those maybe that you hope to be affiliated with in the future just based on the, or, um, the based on the, the organizations that you guys currently represent, do you as an influencer prefer to, to plug in what you guys are currently doing into an organization that has infrastructure? Or are you guys looking to partner as, because there's not big brands dictating what you're doing and big, you know, big money behind some of these companies, you have a little more control in the environment are you guys looking to just plug your brand into something, or are you really looking to, to be a part of some of the conversations with the companies as the brands are evolving? I think uh, it's a little, little bit of both. Um, I think um, I, I think you need to you know you, you need to work together and you kind of piggyback off 
you know, the, the messaging and the branding of the company that you're representing. There's no question. Obviously, you're, you're plugging, you know, the company itself. But I think, uh, you know, I do a lot of stuff with uh, Receptor Naturals and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff that, you know, Elaine is responsible for a lot of the, uh, you know, the content that's created. But a lot of it is, you know, we're, you know, you kind of do it together. You're not just, you know, you mean, there's passion behind it. There, you know, there's a, there's clearly um, an understanding of what you're selling. I'm not just, uh, you know, I'm not just selling you know, dryer balls, you know what I mean? It's like something I believe in, it's something that I live and, you know, consume on a daily basis. So, you know, it's a relationship, um, generally, and, uh, you know, you really have to stand for something and, and believe in it, and, uh, you know, I think working together certainly helps sell the brand because, you know, it's, again, people are gra gravitate towards experience, and there's, you know, there's empathy, and there's a, a feeling, and I think cannabis, the space specifically, um, you know, the, the social media, and. The, and the branding together just you know kind of really works the message a lot more efficiently. Yeah, Lane, can you can you piggyback off that on the content side and talk about how you communicate that to audiences, you know, in, in this industry specifically? So it's you know back to the message and, and and why social media is important for advertising cannabis is that you know one thing's important to me as a brand is to get to know the influencer even before I approach them because. You know, chances are, if you guys are making your own posts, I still want to have some influence in that, you know, because it's my brand. So how do we work together to get something that works? I remember a time, I think Kelly was involved, where I tried to get you to say it, and that was my receptor moment in unison, right? And you pushed back. You didn't want to do that. I knew it was cheesy, right? But, but it, it's kind of a learning process, and, you know, now I know a little bit more about you. You're already on board, so keeping it authentic and keeping it safe, too, because the other thing is, there are some influencers that aren't all the way in, like like Riley and Evan here. They don't have cannabis brands. They aren't necessarily avid users, but they will take the money to rep a brand. Well, they're also posting about their families. They're also posting about you know new gadgets that they get, right? So you've got to keep that message sort of safe so that we can continue to have this uh, opportunity to advertise that way and continue to have influencers that that actually make an impact. And, and what about what about the, the conversation on the other side? When, when it's it's easy for us to post on a, on a daily basis, you know, every five minutes, you can auto set this stuff up. What conversations are coming back from the communities, and do you see any difference between those conversations versus what you know a Coca Cola or a traditional you know advertisers putting out with their communities? Are these conversations getting to you know some deeper issues and 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 really helping connect? the consumer and or patients to some of the products that are being put out there? I, I would say for sure that they are. But the, the thing, you know, you can use social media and influencers to say a lot, do a lot, but you're still bound by, you know, the FDA regulations, the fact that we can't make any structure function claims. So from a brand or a business standpoint, for me to post things that sort of insinuate that CBD or cannabis may be the cure for something, is, is dangerous, but that's where the conversation starts. That's why Athletes for Care is important, because we can start those conversations here and then move it over to Receptra or Be True and, and, and continue on that way, so, yeah. And, and this, all of you guys can kind of answer this one. Where are you seeing cross-sections of influence with cannabis? Recurring themes, you know, we, uh, obviously it's, it's maybe easier to look at sports and entertainment as 
somewhat obvious crossovers into this industry, but you guys obviously do a lot more than just sports and cannabis. And, and you have conversations with family members, friends, at different speaking engagements that are obviously non-sports and non-cannabis. What's, wh where are the recurring cross-sections that you guys are excited about maybe spreading some influence that you've got in one area over to a community that, you know, doesn't know all the answers in the room? Well, I think it might be, you know, it is in some ways tied to the sports thing, but I think the health and wellness communities are really starting to, you know, cross over with cannabis. And I think, you know, I've been reading articles, I think stories pop up more and more all the time about how people are sick of diets, they're sick of the medications, and they're really looking for overall wellness and being holistically healthy. Um, and I think that cannabis, you know, fits beautifully into that lifestyle. It fits really well into, you know, I eat right, I meditate, I exercise. What are the, what's the, the, what are the herbal remedies that I use? What's the medicine that I go to? Well, here's cannabis. You know, that's where cannabis comes in. And um, from the last panel, like Dr. Raza was saying about the endocannabinoid system and understanding the function of your body. You know, I think that health and wellness is really just on the rise, and I think that's a huge area where cannabis is really going to sort of cross over into mainstream culture. Yeah, I would just like to build off what Evan's saying there. I mean, I, that's exactly the way I view it. I, I see cannabis and hemp as, as the ultimate wellness tool, and you're we're only scratching the surface of how this is, you know, the direction it's going, and I think that almost... Any disease you talk about, or any condition you talk about, cannabis is somehow in the conversation. You know, for us, it's you know we're, we come from a sports background, so we're you know, using our platform as as athletes to kind of push the cannabis message. But it's not exclusively to to athletes or sports. I mean, this is a much bigger picture. But you see that whether you're in pain management or sleep or anxiety or depression, doesn't matter what you talk about, cannabis is always in the conversation and. And we need to talk more about preventative medicine and, you know, using cannabis as a dietary central, and, you know, getting, you know, get, getting hemp seeds and, and, you know what I mean, you kind of get, getting healthy from the, from the start instead of, you know, getting sick and then just using cannabis as a, as a band-aid type of thing instead of, you know, a ph pharma. I think it's a much bigger picture, but I think you see no matter which, which direction you go, the cannabis crosses over into virtually all elements of health and wellness, but you know, I think we need to t take a more holistic approach on this because cannabis you know, is the you know, centerpiece of holistic health, in my opinion. And I think adding on to that just popped into my head a, a personal story. Uh, my wife's family, all from Pasadena, very straight-laced, white-collar people, um, have never, I mean, my, my, my father-in-law never smoked weed ever in his life, never touched it. In his mind, it's an illegal drug. I'm not using that. I have no business using that. <clears throat> he has eight brothers and sisters, all feel the same way. And they've all started coming to me. Eb, I can't sleep. Eb, my back hurts. I'm tired of, you know, not being able to sleep, being in pain. And they're like, can, can you turn, you know, is there something you can give me? And yeah, I get them started on CBD and low amounts of THC, and the next thing you know, they're like, Eb, I, my, uh, my wife's uncle, dude comes to me, he says, Eb, I haven't slept a, a full night in seven years. I'm up at three o'clock in the morning, 
and I can't go to sleep. I'm doing laundry, I'm vacuuming, I'm cleaning the house, like it's a, it's a nightmare. Can you get me something? I got him some, some very low THC edibles. Next day is like I got the first full night of sleep I've had in seven years. I mean, you know, and I think those very specific markets, sleep aids, you know, things like that, pre-workout formulas, stuff like that, those things are gonna reveal themselves and unveil like as this industry expands and the movement continues. But, you know, people are gonna gravitate towards this because they need an answer and, you know, it's, it's there. Yeah, and, and I think it's <clears throat> it's evident in you know the the community that Athletes for Care is building, and and how the organization's members identify outside of cannabis with a lot of common themes of health and wellness and lifestyle improvement and prevention, proactiveness as opposed to reactiveness, and, and um, you know that comes along with the education and the research um, side of it. So. You know, as, as, as athletes that naturally have a higher level of exposure in, in, in the public light, you guys are, are in a position, and, and as an organization, in a position to bring some of these conversations to communities that don't have the conversation on a daily basis. And so, we, let's just stay on health and wellness for a second. As, as we look at that industry and companies there, we, we, we identify a lot of cannabis organizations that are now starting to buy exhibit space and sponsorships at health and wellness shows. And, you know, they're one, two, or three of a hundred companies, but they're one or two of the cannabis companies, right? And so um, you guys are, are, are maybe a little bit more ahead of the curve um, from, from a mentality and a culture perspective, but how do we reach out to the health and wellness industry and, and for you guys, what are you seeing maybe as some barriers of organizations that have reached out that either turned you off or you look at the business or the brand and you say, well, you're not quite ready yet to come or I'm not quite ready to work with you until you're here. There's clearly not a flood of health and wellness and, and cannabis overlap. It seems natural here. Why, why isn't it? Isn't, isn't it more integrated? I think it actually, I think it kind of is, to tell you the honest truth. I mean, like, you look at the, the yoga communities and, you know, the, the whole food communities and the, far, you know, the, the farmer's market communities. Like, I feel like the, those are the ones that seem to be educated on CBD specifically or CBD products before just the, the, the average person that doesn't leak into these types of, you know, whether, whether you know, activities, I guess you'd call them. Um, you know, or even go to the gym. I feel like the people that are into into you know creating a better version of you somehow get introduced to cannabis or cannabis-based products sooner than the person that's totally fogged out, to you know, living this zombie type of life, and you know what I mean, can't you can't see outside the binders that they have on. Um, but I but I think you know again once once you talk about the federal legislation, once this thing really comes becomes more mainstream at a federal level. Well, once the FDA gets involved and everything, they're able to regulate. Well, then the then then the millions and millions of people that just follow suit to whatever they see on CNN and Fox News, well, you know, well, now they'll understand cannabis. But I think I really generally think that the people that are into health and wellness are seeking answers and always seeking for a, a natural solution um, to their problems. And uh, you know, I see that I see it in the yoga communities and I see it in the, you know, just the, the general well-being communities. Like they, they they have a pretty good understanding of what CBD is. 
versus you know an average person you're, you're literally talking you're, you're literally building up a, a total reservoir of information from the start so I mean it's the, the common thread between the communities you're talking about and everybody else is that we all want to feel good. You know, what does that mean though? Like if you go to yoga, you go to yoga to feel good in a healthy way. Right? But if you go to McDonald's, you go to McDonald's to feel good in a type of way, right? Like a, it's some sort of gratification there. And, and I've had conversations with both of you guys about, you know, as influencers, it, it's, it's almost as if we need to right now trick America into being well and say that it's cool to take CBD and it's healthy and stop right there because you, you start adding in the science and you start adding in all the whys and people get a little bit overwhelmed or then it suddenly became medicine or became something. Instead of just saying, hi, I'm Riley Cote and here's some CBD that's gonna help you be more like me because I go to yoga and I exercise and I have a family and yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's cool to be like you. You're an influencer. It feels good to take CBD. You know, it's rewrite the message and say, let's first make this a cool thing, and then we can talk about how healthy it is for you and why it's it's good for our nation. It's good for uh, you know global society. Well, and, and you kind of tied it back to the the other question of what what are the cross sections with cannabis? I mean, you just mentioned family. You mentioned you know yoga. You mentioned the gym groups. You know, these are all arguably very different people and communities, and, and there is now tying together, partially because of the messaging that's being put out there, it's getting early adopters who are family members and athletes and yogis and, and whomever to start, you know, working towards what, what we've been kind of talking about all day here. And um, I think it's very interesting that We've had a lot of events with Athletes for Care as, uh, um, as panelists, and, and the, the media attention that those panels get compared to a lot of the science panels, where, you know, when I sit in the room of the science, I'm like, jaw drop because I'm not a scientist, and it's mind-blowing that everything I've been assuming for 15 years is now, is now kind of being backed up with science. But... Most of culture, most of society is flip-flop. The jaw drops for influencers. And so how do you guys feel as people who live a lifestyle and are pretty genuine individuals because you, you, know, you only kind of represent what you believe in? How do you feel when the camera's on you and, and that the lights are on you for sometimes um, less than genuine reasons? But they're coming in it for cannabis and you guys want to talk about a lot of things other than just cannabis is, is kind of what I'm getting at. You want to talk about the health, the wellness, the CBD, the, and a lot, a lot of it's about the stigma, the, the stigma around THC and how does all that benefit. Um, can you talk about that when the cameras, when the cameras are on? Do you feel pressure to respond back to what they're asking for? Or are you pretty comfortable at this point in your own skin? I think it's getting uh, that's working itself out, and uh, you know, I've I was I've been in my life very affected by the stigma of cannabis. Um, you know, throughout my football career, I was horrified of the thought that a coach or somebody involved with the team might find out, you know, I smoked weed. Um, I was always a team leader, I was always a team captain, I was always like, you know, the golden child, literally. And, um, 
you know, that was just devastating. Like Darren said earlier, you know, I had a very much a mindset of like, oh, if you're a stoner, you can't be a pro football player. Um, you know, and breaking that whole thought, that whole concept down, that's really dissolved, you know, through this process coming out of the league. Seeing what it's done for me, the positive effect it had for me on me, on me mentally and physically throughout my football career coming out of that, you know, being a guy that, you know, I just sort of gravitated towards it. I, st I, I felt like this makes me feel good. You know, I would have days where I felt bad about it. I was like, this is something that's illegal, man. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this. But I just kept coming back because I was like, this replenishes me in a way that nothing else does. And so coming out of my football career, I left, I quit dipping. I don't take any pills. You know, my mind for the most part is intact. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm a functioning, I can be a father, I can be a husband to my wife and, and you know, be the best one I can be. Very much thanks to this plan, you know. And um, that's a truth that like, I can't get out of my life. You know, that's something that just happened. And now I'm, I'm realizing what a, what a positive experience that was. And speaking about it just becomes more and more natural. Cannabis is a hot issue. It's like the internet boom. I mean, this is something that people are fascinated by. And it requires a ton of education because most people, like my father-in-law, like, you know, ton, a huge part of this country, uh, thinks it's this back alley, you know, gang substance that just has no place in civilized society. And really, that's just not the truth. For one thing, it's, it's the perfect remedy for athletes. It's the perfect supplement for anyone who's physical dealing with trauma. It's the perfect... Uh, restorative, regenerative substance for anyone in, you know, dealing with depression or mental, uh, psychological issues, you know, and uh, it, it works with our bodies and just re, I don't know, reestablishing that, uh, like the gentleman in the back said earlier, understanding the history of this plan, um, you know, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing that we're even here having these conferences to talk about it. Like, that's a joke, you know, that we have to reestablish this idea of something that can actually help us. So, you know, I think as athletes, athletes for a long time have uh, really had, I don't know if it's an obligation, but maybe, you know, a, a, a responsibility to, you know, use their platform in positive ways to have a positive influence on um, from everything from the civil rights movement to now with cannabis um, and, and civil rights still. We're still looking at that with these fucking, you know, guys taking a knee and everybody's up in arms thinking they're protesting the flag in our military. It's a fucking joke, to be honest. Um, and it's really, I think, we're in a consciousness awakening as a, as a species. You know, that, that's where we're at and cannabis is a huge part of that. Um, I might have gone on a rant, but I got excited no, about that, this topic. And it's important, you know, this is an important thing. Yeah, no, that's good. That's what this is for, ranting and getting it all out there, you know. Um, do you get... <laughs> do, do you feel... Um, it, and, and if so, maybe how much of the time do you feel that you're fighting against 
degree that you, you try to use your influence, you know, for especially as we talk about general education and training to, you know, people who aren't necessarily in the industry and, and, and aware of what's going on. Is this something that you got, I mean, is, is it exhausting or is it, no, we're, we're fighting the good fight because this, I'm so deeply entrenched in it that I'd be doing it anyway. And so if I can just be more comfortable speaking publicly about it, because I understand the stigma part, you know, from, from my own personal experiences and, and you know, I, I still don't tell the story publicly, you know, and, and it's for a number of different reasons of, of not feeling comfortable or, or ready yet with different, for me, cross sections of personal and professional groups that, you know, I'm associated with. And so that that's elevated when you guys are, are in a spotlight and oftentimes trying to wield influence in areas that are a little bit more conservative or against the grain. So can you... Can you talk about that? Do you, do you feel like you're going against the grain sometimes? And if so, how much? Yeah, I think, I think we're always going against the grain. But I think when you believe in something, you know, I can speak for myself, but I, can, I think I can speak for, for all you guys. When you believe in something so much and, and you know, the passion is obvious, you, 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 become, you get, become comfortable in your own skin. And you know, from, from my personal experience with cannabis, I, I, I can truly stand here and feel comfortable to tell you that you know, the cannabis is a healing plant. And I don't know all the science behind it. I never will, and I really don't care to. Um, but, you know, deep down in your soul, you know, you know when something is good and something is positive, and you see the impact and the positive impact it has on people and, and their quality of life. So, um, you know, I, I'll never be a salesperson, but I, you know, I, I can speak on behalf of cannabis and hemp just for my personal stories and experience and, you know, to the general public. And I have to believe that, you know, the story will resonate um, you know, w at least with a, a few of them, if, if not a bunch of them, um, more than throwing science and, and big terms at them. So I think there's, there's always a connection with personal experience. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, like Evan said, it's like once you believe in something, you're, you're, you become so comfortable in your skin about it that it doesn't matter how many people tell me that cannabis is bad. I will tr always believe that it's the opposite. And it's, it's, and it's always been a good thing. We've just, we've tainted it. And now we're kind of, you know, have to, we have to change what we've, we've messed up now. But, um, you know, and, and that's just life. I mean, I think every generation has faced some sort of revolution and some sort of you know, major change in, in the way societies operate. And I think, you know, this is, I guess it's been, it's been a long time coming, but, you know, I feel like now we're, we're, we're finally penetrating the beast here a little bit. I think just one thing that I'm realizing uh, that has helped me in, in establishing my comfort and how this is really just something I believe in is learning the history of the plant and understanding that and educating myself on that. Um, and then the, when I found out and, and began learning about the endocannabinoid system, the fact that we have this system in our bodies it creates these same compounds to facilitate these processes that we, we all go through every single day. You know, it helps our, keep our mood in check, our appetite, our sleep rhythms, how we feel and deal with pain. You know, this is, it's absurd, you know, that, that this is a, has a, this is, that this plant is in the position that it is, really. Yeah, um, so I, 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 you know, enjoy and understand um, the genuineness of individuals wanting to represent organizations that they truly believe in. I think a lot of people are in the room specifically because of that. We've made career moves specifically because of that, a lot of us. So 
um, again, I think there's, there's a commonality, not just amongst athletes for care, but a lot of people who pay good money to come to conferences like this. And um, just, I know personally, hearing from people of influence, whether they're athletes or successful business people, or if you're a lawyer that's, you know, had a good profile and you're, you're making that transition, sharing stories about the why, you know, why are you doing it? Why are you getting into it? Why are you making these decisions at this point? What's motivated you to, you know, to, to get to this point of, dec of decision? It helps us all when we talk about education and awareness, get on the same page and find commonality with oftentimes, you know, individuals that if you asked me five years ago, what have I in common with a bunch of professional athletes? I'd tell you absolutely nothing, you know, aside from I, I like the sports they watch and, you know, we, we might both like cannabis, I don't know. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's allowing business owners in the room, um, you know, as well as investors who are trying to come into the, to the business, looking at socially conscious companies to, to get involved in, providing a little bit more reassurance that there is authenticity behind the brand or the, the people that are associating with some of these brands. I don't want to shy away from the compensation, nor do I want to shy away from the economics of what this, this industry is doing. So let's talk about, for you guys and, and what, what you're seeing, um, how, how do you view getting paid by brands to represent them? How do you view organizing influencers for your own brands and working out paying agreements with them? There's now on social media big conversations about does there need to be a sponsored by tag on every picture that you post if you're representing merchandise that you know you're you're profiting from? And so conversations are now at the table, and even though the cannabis industry from an advertising perspective on social media isn't regulated, there's going to be more of this conversation. So how do you guys look at getting getting compensated? How do you look at cannabis companies compensating influencers? Is it okay so long as there's some bona fide belief behind the brand? And um, maybe you can talk a little bit about also from the from the from the content side. Um, I have not done any of that or been approached by other companies. Maybe because for a little, probably about twelve months. <clears throat> probably associated myself as founder of Be True Organics, my CBD company. We have hired a number of influencers in the health and wellness sort of spectrum. Maybe fitness would be a better description. And uh, to be honest, have not seen huge results, garnered you know, great yield out of those out of those influencers. And that, you know, it's probably a number of factors, including who their audience is. I think that's something to think about, you know, when you're looking at influencers, is who that person's audience is, and is that audience someone that, you know, would be interested in your company? Um, maybe that's obvious. Uh, these people seemingly all, you know, one was a uh, former, like, Playboy model, who's now a fitness model, and her boyfriend, who's a bodybuilder, you know, all great shape, really attractive people, very, you know, 200,000 plus followers, um, you know, really didn't see shit come out of that, you know. Um, and we had structured out contracts with them based on per post. And so, you know, we kept those pretty, pretty tight. 
Um, you know, it was like a, it was a number of posts structured out, and that was it. And then, you know, we moved on. But you know, I think it's something that, you know, it's a very. I think that this will all evolve. You know, as this industry moves forward, as companies evolve and grow, and um, you know, I think it's really in in motion right now. Think from the compensation as a brand, you really have to get clear on what your goals are. You know, and from if it's athletes for care, our goal is to educate and spread a message. So the metrics on successful influencer campaign for athletes for care are, are much different than one for be true uh, would be. That's based on your RLF sales, right? I mean, but then you can. Subcategorize that. Sometimes you you engage with an influencer because you want to get some of their audience. It's just kind of what you're talking about, but that's different from getting their audience to buy your stuff, right? So, um, and, and that kind of it goes back to the type of message that you want to give out. With you know, if Snoop Dogg is promoting rolling papers, it's going to sell a ton of those rolling papers. If Snoop Dogg is promoting his marijuana, he's gonna sell a bunch of marijuana. If Snoop Dogg comes up on uh, social media with a message similar to one that you might like to put out about the health benefits of CBD, is that gonna equal you know, the, the same sort of revenue as his other posts? I would say probably not. So then figuring out how to approach an influencer with, with that message, say look, we want you to start talking about CBD, the health qualities of it, but previously you've only talked about getting high and how cool that is. You know, from a branding standpoint, that might be a mistake too, but let's not talk about it. How do you offer a rate different there than you would for a you know, call to action buy now type of post or, or, or activation? So there's really never a right answer. You have to use the tools and develop your own type of uh, calculations to really decide what anything um, from an influencer is worth. Yeah. But a couple good pieces of advice there, right? For, for companies who are looking to set these types of relationships with influencers, it's, it's setting metrics that are really relevant for your company. Is it actually amount of followers or retweets? Or are you looking at clicks from post to the website? Or are you looking at clicks on the website to the buy now button? Are you looking at that conversion metric of, no, they purchased it, versus organization like Athletes for Care, where right now we're talking about things like education, advocacy, research. What, what do we quantifiably talk about when we say, collectively as a group of influencers, here's where we want to achieve influence in areas of research, education, and advocacy. You know, th these are things that as an organization, we want to make sure leveraging collective influence, there's actual attainable things that we're working towards. And that's, you know, no, no contract necessarily between members right now, right? But you guys are working towards making sure that the messages you care about are going to be heard by groups other than just athletes and more athletes. So, you know, Lane, great, great point about whether you're selling product or whether you're a nonprofit organization. This is all metrics driven and when you're if you're making contracts with influencers, making sure you work in some of that language and expectation into the relationship. I mean, it's do your early work too, because what, what you just described is understanding your funnels. And so you need to know 
what your funnels are before you even go to an influencer. I think, you know, as an influencer, a big red flag for you should be if someone comes to you and they believe that we can just pay and play. Like, I'll give you a hundred bucks, you make that post, and it's all gonna be great. That's not a plan. And that's gonna, that's that you're becoming, you know, a, a prostitute at that point. And it's dangerous because then you, your ability to influence is diminishing. Your ability to market yourself to other brands for other opportunities, the same thing. So it, you gotta just, you gotta know what you're doing as a brand, as a marketer, before you're even ready to say, what's up, Evan? Let's do work together. Um, so I want to make sure we leave some, some time to get a couple audience questions. Um, and again, you know, we've been talking about brand influence and whatnot, but you know, I want to make sure you guys feel comfortable if you have companies or if you're transitioning into the industry and, and looking at athletes about why, you know, why athletes, why influence, why this panel. You guys are in the room here paying good money and, and have an opportunity to talk to people that do have high levels of influence in different communities. So it doesn't have to be completely on topic, but um, I want to make sure we can open up the, the audience questions. I honestly think it's just cannabis is just is such a powerful plant that people have, all, have been gravitating towards it in so many different ways. I mean, you know, the way Snoop consumes his cannabis is certainly different than probably most people, but he certainly has his following, you know what I mean, for his recreational market and uh, his recreational products and whatnot. Um, the athlete might, might, might approach it quite differently, you know what I mean? He might consume cannabis on a daily basis, but not smoking 29 blunts a day. And you know his his approach to it would be you know completely different, but I, I think uh, um, it, it's, it, cannabis is, is is so powerful and so diverse that it kind of crosses into again we talk about the, you know, the cross sections of where it, where it lands up, and it seems like in in all facets of life you know cannabis can be integrated, and so I think that's that's one of them, and, and just again the personal experience it, it seems to resonate um, you know it seems to resonate with people, and you know that. Uh, the stories and the, the, the empathy people feel from that, and um, I think you know, I think that that's that's probably why. I mean, the cannabis is, is is an interesting thing. I think it's different than pretty much all everything else we talk about and we, every all other substances. It's so different. Um, it's still so taboo. You know, we're somewhat educated on it, but I think the general public is still in the dark. But there's a, you know, the social media and people tell their stories. You know, people tell their stories, and you know, it's. If you, if you talk to a lot of people, they've they've learned a good portion of what they know through social media. And cannabis is, is a good conduit of information and education, and, and you know, ultimately leading to brands and brand exposure. Yeah, and there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of choice too in traditional media outlets, right? Uh, traditional advertising vehicles aren't very excited about advertising the next cannabis brand, so. Social media being the default, 
who are the voices on social media that get the most attention, you know, outside of big companies that pay for sponsored ads, it's, it's influencers. And, and use that word, you know, you're going to see it in quotation marks, but really you need to think about where, if, if they're a so-called influencer, just like you mentioned, Evan, you know, what do they have influence over? And it's, it's, it's probably not about the retweet and the like. Do they actually have real conversations with people on their website, on their Facebook, that you can see responses back and forth between? And so, you know, I don't know if you guys are, are, are able to talk about it with the level of engagement that you've had on social media, but um, how do you guys, if you represent your own brand, separate the, the personal stuff from the business stuff? Do you have business accounts, first of all, that are completely separate, or is it... When I'm looking at Beecher Organics page, I'm actually hearing from you. And when I look at your social media page, I'm hearing from you. Uh, my social media, you're hearing from me. Be true, that's somebody else. Okay. Um, are there any posts that you personally are posting on Be True where no, it's obvious? No, there okay. might be some things that I feed ah. that get posted. Okay. Um, but no. Um, I try to interact with people uh, going back to, I guess, the response, um, you know, with followers and connections on, through social media. You know, I've had a lot of really positive feedback from former teammates, you know, hitting me up, uh, sending me messages, emailing me, shooting me a text I haven't heard from in years asking me about, you know, cannabis, you know, talk to me about it, tell me about CBD, I'm, I'm really struggling. Um, you know, my wife actually is part of a group on Facebook of over 2,000 wives of former players. You know, they're just sharing information constantly, and cannabis is a huge issue with them. I mean, these women are talking about, you know, from the most tragic of their husbands have committed suicide to, you know, I have to leave my husband because he's losing his mind and, you know, he refuses to get help. These guys, you know, another really important facet of you know, athletes speaking about this and the opening up about uh, their experience um, with these issues is, you know, especially men, men don't open up about the things they're going through. I think especially as we get older um, and football players and, you know, tough guys, you know, hockey players, I'm sure as well, you know, unless you're a very I don't know, enlightened or spiritual guy who's uh, willing to you know, surrender a lot. You know, you're not willing to open up about, you know, your struggles and what you're dealing with. And I think that, you know, getting this message out there, Athletes for Care being a, a hub, a, a, a safe house for guys to feel safe about sharing those types of experiences. You know, that's what this influencing is all about, really, at the end of the day. You know, forget about single products and, 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 all, and that, but, and different companies, but, you know, really just influencing the mainstream ideology of, you know, how we take care of ourselves and what cannabis is. Do you guys find certain platforms are better for these conversations than others? I mean, are you, you know, LinkedIn versus Facebook versus Twitter? You obviously can do groups on certain ones. You mentioned Facebook has a good, you know, 200 strong. That's a, that's a pretty strong group yeah, that, think, of, of affinity-based yeah. people that are motivated around common causes where... When, when you talk about calls to action, whether it's, again, it doesn't have to be buying something, it can be signing something, it can be showing up somewhere, it can be talking about it, you know, um, in, in a community environment, 
in a room like this. So, so where are, if we're businesses or individuals trying to participate in these conversations, where are the good conversations happening online? I think Facebook is a really good one. Um, the thing with Facebook is they won't allow much of anything as far as cannabis content goes. Uh, they like to take it down, um, you know, Big Brother style. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's, again, why, you know, influencers with stories are so important to the cannabis industry in general because, you know, you, you, when you're restricting advertising, when you're restricting marketing opportunities in that way of getting brands out there and getting information out there about what this stuff does, then you're limited to the stories. And the stories are incredibly powerful. You know, we've got 10,000 years of anecdotal experience with this plant, you know, and so right now, if athletes and military veterans and children with, you know, epilepsy disorders, you know, can be the, the sort of, you know, shining the light on this stuff, then, you know, I think it, it, it's got to be done. Reddit is a great place for these conversations. I think, um, though Reddit won't take cannabis money for advertising, like the rest of the platforms won't, um, Reddit has sort of a similar history to the cannabis industry, and it's a little bit more pirate uh, underground, and that's where, you know, Reddit slash RCBD is a great community where thousands of people are talking about CBD, thousands of people are looking for advice, giving advice, and you get in there, um, from a, a marketer's point of view, it's, it is a great place to, to sell, but it's also a great place to, to tune into what the consumer public is wondering about or looking for or things that might appeal to them in your messaging as a brand, as an influencer even, you know, if you, you can make yourself an influencer, you don't have to be a professional athlete, right, or an actor, you know, you, there's such a thing as internet famous, so if you want to influence an audience, uh, you can make yourself into that and, and Reddit's a place to do it or, you know, any of these platforms, but conversations exist in those groups for sure. Yeah, but you, you mentioned, um, you know, storytelling and, and telling the story, and I, you know, I think audio-visual image, you know, integration in addition to just reading text when I, when I hear storytelling, which leads me to, like, you know, the YouTube, and the, there's, a, there's a movement of selfies and selfie videos, and supposedly there's no data coming out about how, as if we're being educated by selfie videos, that's doing to us, and so we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but, you know, um, the authentic part of, of what you guys are doing, being able to tell that raw story, whether it's through a selfie video or through a broadcast or an environment like this, is definitely part of, you know, the education and the, and the motivation of connecting, uh, you know, people who aren't so knowledgeable about it to, to, to some of the topics that we're talking about. So um, how do you guys feel about, about you know, on YouTube, or I know you started the participating uh, in podcast yeah. sessions with other athletes. Yeah. How do you feel these conversations are happening? Are they happening enough? And and what are you guys doing to try to have more of those meaningful stories told to a broader audience? Well, I think you know it's one of the beautiful parts of being alive in this age, 2017. You've got just you name it, uh, an infinite amount of outlets that, you know, you can get information out there 
very inexpensively for free, in fact. I mean, we just basically create accounts and you can do this stuff. Uh, Nate and I started a podcast called the Mindful Warrior Podcast. We're going to have Darren on later for our first live one. You guys will be able to check out. That'll be sick. Um, but I think that, you know, technology and the information age that we're in really allows for, for this type of dialogue to start happening more and more, and I think it is. You know, I think that we're really, you know, uh, I think the cannabis industry and I've met people who have come into the cannabis industry from other industries um, because they recognize the, the boom, the, the, the financial economic explosion that's happening. And this is really a, this is legitimate. You know, this is not, um, you know, Cheech and Chong. This is not, you know, some hippie thing that's just kind of having a little blip. Uh, you know, in our timeline, this is something that is, needs to happen, you know, that, that is happening uh, out of necessity. Um, and so, you know, being in a position where you've got YouTube, you've got all the social media channels, you've got uh, accessibility to podcasts and all these different ways to get the information out there, it's just about utilizing it and doing it, you know, and getting it down. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, I, I think we talked about this earlier with Darren and, and Lane actually at lunchtime. Is uh, I think when social media first started coming out, becoming popular, I, I just I just was never gonna, could never get myself into it. You know, I just I just you know I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how to use the platform. Um, I guess I wasn't ready for it. You know, I I, I guess my message I didn't have a message. So for me to just mindlessly put things on social media, I didn't. You know, there was no reason for me, but. Uh, I've had a new, a new appreciation for it, you know, since I really, you know, um, started understanding cannabis and started becoming more of an advocate and, you know, spreading my, my, my message. And I see the value of these tools now. I see the value of YouTube. And I think it's just about putting yourself out there. And if you have a story, if you have an experience and you, and you have the knowledge and you believe in it, put yourself out there. You know what I mean? I think people need that more than anything right now. And, you know what I mean? For, for them to resonate you know, from to your story and, and understand, you know, maybe what you're going through and maybe they can relate. And I, I think that's the most valuable thing. It's free, like Evan said, it's, you know, you just got to sign up. Obviously, you got to get some sort of following, but uh, I think you put yourself out there and you connect with people. And I, I feel like cannabis specifically, but the, the whole healing industry is, is all about connection and, and connecting with people. And I think that, um, you know, goes a lot further than, you know, putting together some, you know, scientific, you know, peace, you know, they, you speak from the heart, put yourself out there and people connect. And I think they're beautiful tools and, and, I, and I've just kind of recently totally understood them. You know, I, I never really did. I just thought social media was kind of just, uh, you know, for, for the mindless following, but you know, it is a platform and you should be able to use it to, to your advantage for sure. Yeah. And I can, you know, again, for, for, the, for the companies that are in the room looking at working with influencers in any category, whether they're athletes or you know, celebrities or business experts who again are, are coming into the industry that you're looking to recruit on your team it's it's being very genuine with that story we can give two quick examples here before we um, transition over to the to the next segment here um, one of our portfolio companies we never we never looked at, at influencer marketing as a, a part of the business that we wanted to do at greenhouse ventures until one of our portfolio companies started doing kind of selfie videos about 
his own journey through having cancer as a very young adult and uh, you know his treat his self-treatment and how that led to him wanting to start an apparel company and you know this isn't even medicine this is just this is an apparel company that he felt he needed to put this messaging out there on things like YouTube and Instagram and, and Facebook and when you look at the history of his social media pages in the months beforehand where he was posting more of the Cheech and Chong videos, more of the Snoop Dogg stuff, which is, you know, much more about the recreational, cultural, lifestyle side. Um, you know, that's somewhat associated with excess as well. And then he started to post the genuine stuff. He had some high level, you know, celebrities reach out that had some of those very common, you know, cancers and diseases that, 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 that our company had. And, all of a sudden now they're at a stage of doing business together, not just for apparel, but for some other things. And so again, we th this, this happens organically if you do it the right way, because there are such cross-sections in cannabis. There are family people, there are doctors, there are lawyers, there are accountants who come from conservative, liberal backgrounds that are starting to see a lot of the applications of this industry in their life, whether they're patients and consumers or not. We talk about the hemp side of things and do you want to buy things that are made of hemp versus cotton? You know, it's a completely different way to support this industry if you're not a consumer. So again, I just want to, you know, kind of round it out by saying that there are real examples of, of this happening organically, happening in the right way, and encouraging the, the, the companies that are in the room to be as genuine as possible. Put yourself out there, like Riley said, we don't all feel comfortable doing the, the selfie videos. I know I certainly don't. Um, but is that the most authentic way you can talk to A, your audience, and B, hopefully some like-minded influencers? You know, perhaps. Um, so thank you guys for you know, your, your, your insights here, both on the, on the content side and on the influencer side. Um, I'm really excited for, for this next segment of the, of the program here. Um, Evan kind of gave a, a brief hit on it and we're going to bring Nate back up to, to do it real justice. They're going to give us a, a live version of the, the Mindful Warrior, Warrior podcast, um, which is, from my understanding, athletes interviewing other athletes to find areas of commonality and you know start to spread that message, not just to athletes, but to the communities that the athletes are associated with. So um, you guys have done a couple podcasts already. Is the first live one? Is that yeah. all right? So we're going to do a, a live podcast here which is going to require just a little bit of reorganizing. So if you bear with us for a minute to get some, some chairs reorganized, we'll have a, a quick question before we do that. Go ahead. You bear with me. Sure. Because, um, if I ask the panel real quick, what's age group and by percentage are we really targeting? Because you know that boomers are 4 to 1 and use cannabis 4 to 1 over you all. You know that. Because the, the podcast and uh, going on streaming for a bunch of uh, 75, 80-year-old people not the number one situation, but 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 the boomers use cannabis four to one over any other population. I thought it would bring some silence in the room. No, like the boomers, you mean like what age group? Well, basically, the boomers are close to 1946 1964. Oh, okay. classified as boomers. And they use, you're saying they use it four to one? They use it four to one over any other age group. Mm -hmm. They're spending. They're spending more money. They have discretionary income. That right. So, so, I mean, the social media statistics that are out there about users, right, versus 
the cannabis consumer statistics, right, it, it doesn't match. So you have much more of the 18 to 24 year old demographic is easy to capture as a follower on social media, but they're also the ones that still need to ask mom and dad for some money for gas, right? So those aren't your, your customers. They're certainly not your customers when you're speaking about a supplement or a wellness product because you know, it's, that, that's lower on the totem pole when you're spending. So it, strategically, it has to be a combination of both because yeah. you need to have a following. You need to look good, but you also need to sell and also need to influence, right? So it's a... Which is why there's things like, you know, traditional, I mean, there's, you know, the press right. releases, the right. conferences like this, that that age group is spending money to come get educated at, you know, other health and wellness trade show events. But um, there's certainly a gap in being able to advertise to that ideal demographic. The, the spenders or, again, the early adopters who knew about it were doing it already or, you know, they don't take much convincing. Well, 29 states now in the United States have a medical cannabis program, including Washington, D.C., and, you know, if you read Malcolm Gladwell, he says 15 to 17% is the tipping point. We're way past the tipping point. We're sitting on dynamite, and it's going to blow any day, okay, because, because you know, once once a couple more athletes, uh, we have Jack Ham. Jack Ham is, is our, our person, and he's a Hall of Famer. You know, he helped us, you know, having his name out there, so I understand that very well. Um, I'm working with Tom Kaiser, who spent four years in the NFL, okay. We're, we're working uh, to, to try to get get before the explosion. The explosion is happening because it's, because you could see the sign that came into the door, no soliciting and no use of THC in the building. Can, can you imagine that 15, 20 years ago? I mean, that's just, that's so freaking funny, okay? And they said that no product will be utilized at, at this situation, okay? You go to your patients out of time, which is near 17 years in the, in, the, in the making, the best part of that damn conference is break time. Yeah. Okay, you come back with some new goddamn ideas that are unbelievable. All right. Is, uh, there's still a, a chance of an athlete being blackballed by corporate America if they come out too much in favor of supporting cannabis? That's what I was thinking. Is like there is still that chance, but it's kind of like what you just said: is being early to the game. The way we're moving. The way I see it is the people, the early adopters, the early influencers in the cannabis industry are going to be the champions of corporate sponsorship in 10 years. You know, it's going to actually open up a lot of other doors. When are you going to be sponsored by another health and wellness, a yoga company because of what you're doing with CBD and because of the connection there? When are they going to begin to approach you? Next week. So, that, you know, that's the thing. And if we look at the cannabis industry and you talk about corporate sponsorships, do they fit? Like once you've committed to cannabis, who cares if you can get those or not? Because do they really fit with our message? Right? Uh, they perpetuate a lot of the evil, I think. So maybe not. Maybe does it matter? I think a whole new corporate. It's a whole new corporate world. Like you said, they're going to rebuild because they got to rebuild a prison system. Because the bill in Congress right now says that every person convicted of, of a marijuana charge. Okay, will we'll be exonerated. I mean, that's the bill that's in Congress that, that is bi bipartisan support right now. Okay, uh, Alabama, I mean, Georgia just decriminalized um, cannabis yesterday or, or something yeah. like that. Okay, but yeah, it's going to explode, all right, because there's so much. I mean, it's a prison system because when they implemented it, okay, by virtue of lobbyists back in 1970 by a presidential executive order, 
and took a plant, like taking the apple tree and making it a schedule one drug because it can make cider up to 17%, okay? Because the prohibition has just changed. 1933, 20th Amendment just changed 1933. They did 1937 because they couldn't, they, they got some shit that they couldn't control. And it was an immigration point because the people that came to this country bought it as a natural component. And we already had hemp and cannabis in our, in our, in our pharmacy, in our, every bathroom in America. It was already there. Okay, so you have to understand, get out of the political situation and it's going to run like crazy. As soon as we get the banking situation, everybody's going to pay, pay to, to play. Any other questions? Um, with like with all that is going on in like like uh, like in, in sports and like in the NFL in general and, and everything, I've been like like it's it's there's just so much momentum with this with, with cannabis in general that like I, I'm I've been reading all sorts of things saying that like cannabis helps with like CTE and, and that sort of stuff and like do you think it's gonna get to a point where like the athletes are just like they're just gonna feel that the league is treating them unfairly and you know, maybe they, they might use this issue as maybe like a bargaining chip to hold out or, or strike. Do, is, there, is there a likelihood of that happening in the next few years or? Yeah, I mean, you're, all, you're on to all of it. Um, there's a number of worries um, as far as the NFL goes, you know, there's some thoughts that the NFL will use cannabis as a bargaining chip in the next CBA that you know, more football games, whatever it might be, whatever they want to do, you know, they'll say, we'll give you guys cannabis if we get, you know, this. Um, so that's that. Uh, you know, guys in the NFL are very scared. Um, guys are very wary of doing anything against the system. Um, you know, at Athletes for Care, Nate and I have had this discussion. Um, you know, of creating some sort of statement, because you're right, you know, at some point, the players who are really thinking about what's going on with their bodies, they're thinking about all the pills, and they're seeing what these things are doing to them, and they're seeing the New York Times articles, you know, that these teams can't keep players from reading the information and educating themselves. And I think more and more guys will be pissed off about the situation and how you know they're treated as far as what they can take and if there's this thing, cannabis, that can potentially help them with these serious issues that every guy is going to face. You know why isn't that legal? And I think that you know if we could construct some sort of you know uh, statement that every guy in the league could tweet or say. Um, on a specific day, or you know, get guys uh, ballsy enough to not go out for a Thursday night football game. We're not going out for the game tonight. Sorry, guys. What's going to happen? You know, then some change will happen. Players, you know, it's great for us former guys to be up here because we really, I think, we open the door. I think that's what this is about. Um, but the current guys, the guys that are in the league, they're the ones that are that can make a, a change happen now. You know, by making, doing something like that, uniting together, because it is about the players. You know, everybody's there to see these guys, and these guys are, are total badasses, whether they're football players, hockey players, fucking women's volleyball, you know, it's a, athletes watching sports are, you know, America's thing. It's our distraction. It's what we love to, you know, for, use to forget about the rest of the world and, and our lives. 
And so, you know, athletes want to be treated well. Athletes want to have a life after they're done playing. You don't want to, you know, fade into isolation and, and dementia when you're done with your, your, sport, your sports career. You want to be able to enjoy your family and enjoy the things that everyone else has enjoyed their whole life. So I think it definitely starts with the guys that are in there now. Do Darren, and then we're gonna. Yeah, I just think on top of that, be realist, and you know when you follow the money. Now it goes back to the research, and it goes back to the education, because when these leagues and these ownerships realize that these players will last longer, they'll get more out of their dollar for contracts. You won't see guys hurt for, you know, when all this comes together because it's the way it's supposed to be. You know, that, that's what you wait for in, in every league. You know, when it's the well-being, because then it's just a matter of time. So that's why everybody's piece is just as important. All right, if we don't have any more questions, we're going to transition into the uh, live podcast here. Uh, Mindful Warrior, so uh, we're going to, I know, rearrange a chair or two here, if you, if you give us a minute. <clears throat> usually lasts about an hour this one's going to be about 30 minutes and what we've discovered through cannabis is that cannabis is the catalyst that brought us all together but we all have uh, different stories uh, about our path to playing the sport about how we dealt with it about the injury about the pain uh, about the love for the game that we played and then also on the back end of that how do you deal with life after your sport ends because for all athletes, your, your athletic career is going to end while you're still a rel relatively young man or woman. And so what comes next? Um, that's a really hard question for most of us to, to answer. And cannabis has given us a little glimpse into what that could, can be. Um, and so thus far we've interviewed uh, several other Athletes for Care members. Jake Plummer has been an interview guest, uh, Boss Rutten, uh, Riley. Um, uh, Grant Matos, uh, who else? Evan? Chris Borland. Chris Borland, yeah, Chris Borland, that was another good one. So, we've, yeah, I said boss. Uh, and so these are guys who play different sports, and, um, you know, we have some things in common, and we're trying to figure that out. And we just want to really be able to tell our individual stories uh, in a way that connects us all. And so uh, today, um, Darren McCarty is going to uh, share his story with us. And so I'm going to sit down and uh, I first, Darren, want you to just kind of tell us uh, where you're from, and uh, you're a hockey player, you were, and so tell us how you got your start in, in hockey. Yeah, um, yeah, great to be here, guys, and uh, yeah, my start, I was born in 72 in Vancouver, but I grew up in uh, just outside of Windsor, Ontario, which is uh, borders Detroit, so Ever since I was, I grew up, uh, you know, middle class family. Uh, my mom remarried when I was five years old, and and my stepdad was the one that raised me. Um, you know, I think as far as at a young age, my concept of cannabis, there wasn't much around me. It was all alcohol. You know, that's just sort of the Canadian way it is. You know, there's different, uh, I guess in uh, different cultures, there's more acceptable things. So alcohol was always the one accepted, you know, when you're sneaking drinks out of your 
grandpa's beer at, you know, when you're seven or eight years old with your cousins, that was the norm. For me, it was always, I was always told that um, if you wanted to be an athlete, you couldn't smoke, you couldn't smoke marijuana or you couldn't use it because that, you know, it was, marijuana was bad, dangerous, all that stuff that was invoked in me, not knowing anything about it. So that's what I believe, but alcohol was fine. So as I grew up, um, you know, I was always determined since I was eight years old. Uh, you look at, at you know, my first grade, my third grade, my sixth grade. What do you want to be when you grow up? Hockey player, hockey player. I'm, I'm the type of guy that when you tell me I can't do something or I won't be able to do something, that I'm going to do it just to spite you. You know, and so that, you know, leads me back to the uh, story later. But um, uh, so that was my motivation, and I loved the game. I, that's all I did. I would rollerblade. I would train. Because I wasn't the best player, but I was the hardest worker. And I would do whatever I wanted. I had my focus, and the more you told me what I couldn't do, the more I was going to prove. So were there a lot of guys, people telling you, no, you can't do it? Well, just you weren't good enough. How many people want to be this, that, you know, don't put your eggs in the back. One thing that was very important that I preach is education. You know, I wasn't the greatest student, but I was a B student, which in Canada is, like, probably an A student here. Right? <laughs> it's like valedictorian. I mean, you get, like... Right, so no, but the grades were good enough. Um, you know, it evolved. Now, here's how it sort of. When I was 15 years old, I moved away from home five hours, a place called Peterborough, to continue my junior hockey, where I lived with a coach. Now, as 15 years old, you know, you're around like 19, 20 year olds and stuff. The alcohol in Canada, the drinking age is 19, so half the guys are legal on the team. You just get into this norm where that's okay, and you know, playing guilty or playing whatever would be like hungover, or you know, you wouldn't drink the day before the game, of course, but after and you know, the next day. So that was always sort of the norm, and I continued. That's you know, me being having, you know, being allergic to alcohol. You know, I was an alcoholic. It ran in my family. It was you know, the, the genetics are there, um, but you know what that it didn't mean anything because. You know, as I got older, then I got drafted to Detroit, played here in the minors. But there was, I had one gear. One gear. If you wanted me the way I played on the ice, then you had to accept some of the things. Like, I couldn't turn it on and off, right, to play that role. And when I was younger, that's fine. You get insulated, you get accepted. If you're, you know, providing a service, you know, some things are sort of overlooked. Um, and leads me until, so this was always, you know, alcohol was always my thing. Um, Did your coaches know about Oh, yeah, I, I, 